well, we're here. We finally made it. It was like six months. <laughs> six months of us talking and telling people about it. But I've got Trevor Sharp, my good friend here. What's up, Trev? What's going on, man? We're going to do some talking sports. That's right. Amalgam Podcast Network presents Talking Sports. Talking with Sports. Corbin Trev. With Corbin Trev. <laughs> we're freaking here. Um, Trevor and I met at WSU. He took my wife to junior prom. <laughs> and we worked at the WSU Creamery together. That we did. Yep. Making a lot of cheese. Lots of cheese and ice cream. That cheddar cheddar. Cheddar cheese. <laughs> Sharp cheddar. Sharp cheddar, that's right. With an E though, man. With, With an E. Yeah. That's right, <laughs> dude. It's the Sharp A cheddar. Because <laughs> that's Trevor Sharp. You know, he's that's got right. the... The E with no no apostrophe. No apostrophe, yeah. It's not like Sharpie or Sharpay like the dog. No, it's the... We went to WSU. We don't like dogs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know. We, we, we're going to lose a lot of people because we're going to talk about the Cougs too much or being from WSU. I'll, I'll try to be as, um, I guess, 50-50 as possible with that. I think that'd be... That'd be good. I, I always like to give credit where credit's due. So I can I can handle that. Just, you know, for the listeners out there, keep the uh, UW comments to a minute. <laughs> I wanna I really want to get a, a sharp UW guest on, you know, somebody who's Ooh. I don't know if we you've got a, a friend that talks oh, sports oh, as oh, well I'm, as you. I'm I'm certain I could find a UW a UW, UW fan and friend that would proficient. Be proficient enough to uh, hang with us in a conversation. Right. And, and that leads me to the other point of this super sloppy introduction is that Trevor is the sports brain of this podcast. <laughs> I just happen to have a podcast already. And so I don't want to hear anything from anybody because I've already heard it before we even kick this thing off. Like, Corbin, you don't know that much about sports. And I don't, but I love them. And... Well, and it's a learning experience for both of us too. Right? It is. I mean, yes. I, I absolutely am a sports fanatic. I live and breathe it. Um, I will be the first to admit that I am wrong a lot of the time, but I will also defend my arguments to tooth and nail and uh, also be open at the same time to hearing what other people think because I know that there's other people out there just like me and there's people that want to learn more and, you know, expand their knowledge of the sports and entertainment industry. So absolutely. That's well said, Trevor. I, th I think we're going to kick this off. We're going to talk a little UFC. Um, me and Trevor have, have got a joint note that we worked on together and we're, that's what we're going to do for now to plan these episodes for you guys. So we're not just jib jabbing about nothing. Um, we do want to talk sports as much fun as we're going to have in this podcast, but we're here for sports, so let's kick it off with some UFC. Looks like we've got uh, the second ESPN production. Yeah, yeah, the second ESPN production, Fight Night 144, is coming up. Sun Sal versus Marias 2. Yeah. And tell yeah. me what happened in the first one. So a really close split decision that Asensio ended up taking. <clears throat> I think Marlon to this day still feels like he probably won the fight. You know, listen, I actually listened to Ariel's MMA show podcast that ESPN puts out or Ariel puts out here, you know, every week. And 
he recently had Marlon on there, and Marlon, I think, was, you know, very excited about the opportunity again. And um, it seems like, you know, there was a, it was just a close, it was a close decision. It could have gone either way, and he probably feels like he still won the fight. Um, and then I, I think Marlon, to be honest with you, after we saw him knock out Lineker the way he did with that head kick, it was right. like, wow, this guy absolutely deserves a shot of the title next. That's kind of where it's at. So that, yeah, should be, um, it should be an exciting fight, especially, you know, when, it, when you get two fighters that have fought before and are both in the, you know, kind of the, in, ride, the, hunt. In the hunt to get that next shot. Right, because the Sun Sal, he's been kind of, he's been tearing it up. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Lineker. I, was, I stand correct. It was Jimmy Rivera. Right. So, I apologize. No, it's all good. So he hit, he hit Aljamain Sterling, which is, I'm a fan. Right. Um, out of Longo, Sarah. Uh, in New York, but he took him down with a head kick, and then he did the same thing to Jimmy Rivera shortly after. And that sounded like Babe Ruth had just like hit a home run, just crack. Like I couldn't believe it. It was probably one of the most devastating knockouts I've ever seen. Well, when when the head kicks connect like that, it's just mush mush. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, <clears throat> so this is a good one because if you look at a Sun Sao. His last few, come on, give it to me. Well, um, and he just, so he came back. Looks like he, so he hadn't fought after losing the Dillashaw, right? Back in UFC 200 in July 2016. So then he's won four up since his loss, right? Yeah, and all pretty good wins. I'm not too uh, up on who Matthew Lopez is. I think he's an up and comer. Oh, and it looks like it was a catchweight fight, too. Yeah. Lopez missed weight, yeah. Oh, and he hasn't been doing and much. And he's dropped his last three? Yeah. Wow, okay. But he took but Rob Font, but Rob Font, who did he just beat? Oh, Sergio Pettis, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting a little spider webby, but that's all good. So, the Sun Sal is tearing it up. Yeah, Marais and I think that he... I think that he um, I mean, they both want a shot at Tej, right? Like, and but, that's what this is going to decide, this is, right? This is probably what that's going to decide, and then TJ's going to have to make the decision too. If oh, with the um, Cejudo rematch, with the Cejudo stuff, yeah, that's and, uh, yeah. that's a tough one because in the in the world, of, like what just happened with the Saints in the Super Bowl, like right. getting robbed because of an official call. I don't know how you fix that. I don't know if it's something we can yeah. we should dive into episode one. But I do know that as far as life goes and like chaos goes, stuff happens. Yeah, crazy things happen. I mean, in the Suhudo fight against Mighty Mouse, remember when he lost control of his foot? Yeah, exactly. Like just weird stuff happens. You know, it does. And um, and let's all be honest, Suhudo taking that decision on Mighty Mouse, like, well, like it, any split decision is just. And in that Cejudo fight, TJ, you know, he's admitted that, like, when he kind of got, he got shoved over in a way where it was like, he Cejudo just pushed him down. What's going on? And it was because uh, Cejudo had, like, a glancing blow to, like, basically the back of his head. It wasn't, like, an illegal, illegal no, hit no. by any means. It was because TJ ducked and how it connected. So it kind of wobbled him a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Cejudo, like, pushes him over and realizes, whoa, I just threw him to the ground. <laughs> yeah. That shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. Like something's up. 
So I think that's where he realized, okay, this is a, like the this is the point of attack. Like he keeps rocked. Yeah, finish time. Yeah, finish. It's it's finish time, and then that's what that's what ended up happening. I mean, the shots that Cejudo did land were, in my opinion, still like if he doesn't call it right there, he's three shots away from being out. You're absolutely right. So I mean, it's over pretty much then, or something a miracle happens, right? But, you know, TJ, it's it's interesting. It's like um, Amanda Nunez. She didn't really have anything to lose fighting Cyborg. TJ didn't lose anything. Right. So, um, and I, I don't know. I, I think he's just upset about the, the weight cut and having to go, you know, working so hard for that. I mean, like we saw pictures of him before the fight yeah. and it was just, it was pretty much disgusting how emaciated he looked from that weight cut and to, ha- you know, to get up pretty much right away pop up after the fight is called like he's been rocked before by Garbrandt yep you know and yeah and he even says it. he's like I was he, Garbrandt hit me harder than that but and I pop you know I, I could battle back from that and that's what makes TJ such an amazing fighter is that I'd never is, lose is, is, is yeah he, he never he hates losing yeah. he's he's a sore loser but that makes what what that's what makes him such a awesome competitor yeah that's why he's gonna take that garbrandt rematch right and and do what he did yeah he's like oh i have an opportunity to make a statement here exactly and you're right the frustration from how much work it must have taken because tj's a thick little dude man oh dude yeah he's not a small bantamweight well he walks he walks around well i guess the day after a a weigh-in supposedly and this is per another podcast. I believe it was actually Ariel's um, MMA show podcast, but he walks around at 147 the next day when he's at 135. That's right. when he does, when he's just at his natural weight. He cut to 125 mid-weight, and he was still at 147 the very next day. So, <laughs> like, the, the, guy, <laughs> the guy can put on 20 pounds, like, very, very easily. That's insane. Yeah. And more than that, it's probably, I mean, we're closer mm-hmm. to like 25 pounds. Yeah, right. There's the, the residuals. Circling back, because we did, right. we did we, spider yeah. web there a little bit there. But yeah, episode e- one. either episode one, either one of those guys deserves a shot right away. Mm-hmm. Um, pending there's not, you know, some sort of weird. Except where Dana just says, oh, Cejudo's going to come up and fight him for 135, and we'll see who the true right. champ champ is. Dude, you really want to piss TJ off is you, Cejudo wins by split decision right. at 135. Right. And uh, then we got Dominic Cruz all over again, I guess. But that's... Well, and then the, the, the spider web a little bit more, too, is Benavidez deserves a shot at 25. I mean... Cejudo talked about saving the division. That's what he did. That was what he set out to do. Is that what his? Is that what he's saying he set out to do? Is that his true intentions? I think he's a man of his word. Um, I do too. And Benavidez is the last guy to actually beat him. So he probably he's yeah he's he probably does deserve a shot at one twenty five to fight Cejudo. Yeah. So, um, so on that card, so we're talking about this. We're gonna. I'm going to push this episode as fast as I can. So hopefully I'm going to get this out by Friday. And I think I can. Anyways, um, the other big fight on this card, and I should just pull it up. We got Aldo and we've got um, Moicano. Yeah. 
at that's going to be an exciting. That's going to be an exciting fight. It's a great fight because Moicano's been tearing it up. Aldo has bounced back from his two losses to well, Max Holloway. Yeah, man. and then Maya and Lyman Good. That'll, that'll probably be a pretty darn good fight too. It's not a bad card, top to bottom. To be honest with you, for not, it's not a pay per view card, but it's no. and they're Fortaleza, right? So that's where we at Brazil. Yeah. Yep. Fortaleza, Brazil. So, yeah, the Damian Maez, all those, Moicano, Moraes, Sansao. I mean, and I'm, I wonder where Lyman Good is. He might be the and only non-Brazilian or non-South American fighting in the top three fights. From New York City, yeah. So we got one American going into Brazil. They do, they do a pretty good job of, you know, those fans want to see... Yeah. A lot of their home countrymen. Right. You know. And they do that they they do that too with like, you know, the UK. Mm-hmm. I they've done it with Ireland. I think they've done it with Russia. They got some Canada stuff um, going on. When they went to Australia, right? Uh well, yeah, Australia was big and then I'm I always miss mess this up. Gustafson Swedish, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Stockholm. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So there's a few other fighters there. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, isn't, um, oh, gosh, we're going to do this a lot. We're going to be like, oh, what was that then? That just happened. <laughs> UFC 232. Ayer Latifi. I think Latifi. he's from there as well. Yeah. That was at the forum, though. But yeah, they, yeah, they so have. Then. So you're right. As far as international cards go, Okay, so after we got this fight night, so moving on, we got Sansal Marais too and Aldo Moicano, and then you've also got the, the veteran Damian Maya on that fight night. Moving on, we're still in the UFC. We got uh, UFC 234 coming up on February 3rd. It's a Saturday. And just so you guys know, fights, I've had to learn this, fights are always at 7 p.m. The main card is always going to start at 7 p.m., and generally they're on a Saturday. So... If you're in a UFC fantasy league like me and Trevor are, you need to know that. <laughs> but this is a big one. It looks like they're fighting in Melbourne, Australia. And you've got the main event. You've got Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum at middleweight. Roberts defended his title twice against Yoel Romero. And you got KG coming up after a KO of Bisping, right? Who was the former champ who bought a little guy named GSP. And then lost. GSP vacated the belt. Robert got the belt. Him and Romero did it twice. Did the dance twice. And now he's got another Bobby time. broke his hand on the last fight. Yeah, Bobby got all sorts of broken on both <laughs> fights. But still came away with a decision. And I'm okay with that. And uh, KG's up next. And then the cool part about this card is you've got the, the co-main event. You've got Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. Which is uh, clearly a a test for Adesanya to get the next shot at whoever wins the belt between Whitaker and Gastelum. So what do you, what do you think, Trev? Yeah, and I, I, it's a very, very interesting fight because stylistically, I mean, these guys are virtually the same person, right? I mean, Israel's the first to say, you know, one of my favorite fighters growing up as I've become an MMA fighter. And I think that it's also an interesting fight because if... Anderson can figure out a way to put the kid down. Like he's just, he's kind of re solidified himself as a guy that's 
what, 38? Right. 39? How, how old is he now? Let's pull it up. 40? 43. Oh, jeez. Yeah, 43. Yeah, 43. So 34 I mean, and 8, one no contest. So I look at that and I go, well, put the, pull that back up real quick. Oh, really? Let me see something. Oh, okay. Israel's got the reach. A little bit more of a reach, a little height. Hit a mark. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Kiddo woke up. Israel, Adesanya, Anderson Silva, essentially the same size. Yeah, a little bit of a reach differential. Israel's got him there. Both in the arms and the legs. And you've got a 43, you got a 14-year difference in age. Yeah. Um, and Adesanya, he's got 15 professional MMA fights, but he's also been in kickboxing. Right. He's been around, so it's not even though he's super young. He's definitely got a, a ton of experience, yeah. fight experience. So. so let's look at the rest of the main card, and we can kick right on. So we got uh, Ronnie Yah- Yaya. Ricky Simon. Yeah, that is going to be an interesting matchup too because I think this Ricky Simon kid is on the come up. And that's what's interesting about the UFC and kind of one of the things that I like about it is that you've got young and up-and-comers, but they love to throw tests at them. Oh, totally. And so if the old vet can knock out the young gunner, they're right back in the conversation. And so... Right. I just I just love that dynamic. Montana De La Rosa versus Nadia Kasim and Jim Crute versus Sam Alvey. Smiling Sam Alvey. So think Oh yeah. Okay, so they added Sam Alvey to that card. Ryan Span is out. So Sam Alvey is actually stepping in to face Jim Crute. It was supposed to be Ryan Span. Gotcha. Yeah. Alvi's one of those like journeyman workers. He's just he's like always on a card, right? So yeah, that'll be a good card. Um, those Australia cards are tough because apparently, like culturally in Australia, they don't they're not like huge on combat sports. Am I right? Um, you know, I don't know. I've, I've heard the fighters from that area say that that they're like, really, you know, we're struggling to get our fan base. Well, super it's crazy excited. because I look at it and I go. I mean, look how many good or up-and-coming fighters there are from Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, Dan Hall- Hooker. Ha- I mean, Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro. You got Tai Tuivasa. Tai Tuivasa. Or is he heavyweight or light heavyweight? Tai is heavyweight. Heavyweight. Tyson is light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Tyson Pedro has been hitting some losses lately. And it's yeah. like he's got, you can tell he's a killer. Right. Dude, I mean, again, it's like they're like he's an exciting young up and coming fighter, but then they give him the vets, and the vets are like, "Dude, I've been doing this long enough. I know." Suspensions, Connor and Khabib. Yeah, man, I thought I thought we'd make it a point since it was. Uh, I love it. I added it to the uh, to the notes to the notes. So tell me about it. Connor got off with essentially nothing. Yeah, and Khabib got half a million dollar fine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Uh, and I mean, Connor, he lost. He got attacked. Yeah. And, and they and then he they basically said that or the Nevada State Athletic Commission when they were reviewing everything, they were they just said that he was all he was doing was defending his teammate from being attacked. And yeah. at that point they just felt like he would, you know, someone in that same position probably would have because at that point it's not a 
you're not in a sanctioned fight. You're in a brawl. Yeah. You know, so it could, it, are it, gone. whether, whether it had happened in the arena or outside the arena or backstage, wherever it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, um, yeah. And I think that probably some of it had to do with how hard they came down on him prior to, you know, with Connor's situation with the, the bus and flying, oh, yeah. flying across the pond to basically, yeah, with a bunch of his a yeah, bunch of his henchmen to just mix things up. <laughs> yeah, a little sniff, sniff, bang, bang. Yeah, and I think that he's probably still uh, paying the consequences for that. Oh yeah, I remember that went down, and it's just like, dude, you're gonna lose so much money from this, right? And it'll be interesting to see. Well, and I think respect too, right? I think it people does. still you do look like a goober. Like you just look like a goon. Yeah, I, I mean, people still love Connor. We still love Connor as a you know he's a showman, right? right? I mean, he's done some things that not everybody in the UFC have been able to do. I mean, the guy went and fought Floyd Mayweather and hung with him for, yeah, you know, how many rounds before he kind of just got gassed out and outboxed. Yeah. You know? So I, I agree. I don't know. I, I can't think of anybody that's really done that, you know, as far to as the, like at, the, at the highest level. And again, those two guys are showmen. So they knew what they were doing when they set the whole thing up. Exactly. And promoted it. Yeah, you're right. Um, I uh, just Connors is such a polarizing figure. Oh yeah, and it's hard to it's hard to defend him. It is, but it's also at the same time the other the other camp had won. He right, won. right, exactly. He didn't and that's prove anything else. He that's his ass. It's over. Just let it go. And that and so, but still, half a million dollar fine is like. I mean, there's making a statement, and then there's making a statement. And again, you know, like on the Khabib side of it too, I think he's what come out and said at this point he's not going to fight in Nevada Vegas, ever again yeah. or Vegas ever again. Which that's the UFC mecca, right? That's right. their headquarter. Right. I mean, they do their big cards in Madison Square Garden. They'll go to LA. Yeah. They'll go to the big cities, but their main, like, the smoothest way they can run that operation is out of Vegas. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's kick it out of the UFC to Bellator 214. Looks like we got just a couple of highlights. Yeah, yeah. No, I figured we'd, we'd, we'd talk a little bit about it just because now we have a, a champ champ in uh, Bellator, in Bellator now. now, too. You're yeah, right. so Ryan Bader making quick work of Fedor, knocking him out in, I think, like 35 seconds or something like that. Which, when I was on vacation, my buddy Chris was showing me highlights of Fedor. Fedor. Yes, sorry, thank you. And... um. That guy in his prime. Oh, dude. <laughs> chin scary, chin, scary chin of steel, and he would just knock dudes out. Like, he looks insane. And I've seen, like, sparring videos, like him and we're doomed. We're going at it and right. stuff. Like, the guy looks like he's always ready to kill somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's pretty, in, that's, a, that's a statement in and of itself that he got finished that quick. Oh, and, it, and Ryan didn't even have to take it to the ground. I mean, we know how much Bader just is, he's a, you know, I mean, he's a division, division one wrestler. You know, okay. Which is it shocking to see yet another champ with a wrestling background? No, not really. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you don't start there mm-hmm. as a kid, yeah, you're probably gonna be a step behind. Cause I, I kind of want to do that. We should run through the champs and see how many of them have that wrestling background. Pedigree, yeah. I mean, if you look at pretty much everybody that's a champ right now has had some sort of collegiate experience. Because John Jones was a wrestler, right? 
Um, Juco? I think it a Juco, yeah. I don't know if he was a division. But still, I don't know if Juco he was a D- champ. Yeah, Juco champ still. And then you got DC, you got Habib, who were both wrestlers. Dillashaw wasn't he a wrestler? So who T- was a T- wrestler? Wood. T Wood, Tyler Woodley, Tyron Ty- 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 Woodley, yeah, Tyrone, um, Tony Ferguson, as a, well, and it, and if it's not wrestling, I think I think it was, to- I, if it's not wrestling, they're sick jujitsu. Oh yeah, you know, and so, it's just Cejudo, gold medalist, yep, gold medalist, Olympian. <clears throat> so I mean, there, there you have it. That's it. We're at, at least, at Max least, se- yeah, at least, probably like seventy-five percent. I think of like the champs have that. I guess Bobby, solid. Bob, Bobby doesn't have it. He doesn't. I don't know. I don't he know. He looks like a wrestler, though. He, I mean, he's probably got background. I just don't know if he was like a. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. I don't oh, think he, he was. Just got into MMA right I away. Think he just, man. yeah, he just. I think he just got into knocking people out. Yeah, he just got into mixed martial arts. And he's arts. got some wrestling background. It says in this. But it doesn't look like he's like wrestled at like a collegiate level. No, not. But we're not, we're talking like they got paid right. to go to school. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, Guys that are two time, three time national champions. Yeah, you know, because is isn't we're on to Bellator. Um, Aaron Pico, the big the big name, the other big name in Bellator. Yeah, 214. yeah. So guy that went at basically the youngest like. Anyways, this guy's a kid was a crazy wrestler. Forgoed going to college just so he could start his career in MMA. Was basically just cleaning house at these international and national tournaments. Since he was like 16, I guess has been training with Freddie Roach. Okay. One of the like premier boxing coaches in for quite some time. And I actually found this out on uh, another podcast. Apparently, like, he's been training with Miguel Cotto since he was, like, 16 years old. <laughs> and, and, and sparring with Miguel Cotto. So, you, you look at that and you go, okay, the kids definitely can strike. And in this last fight, he rocked Corrales and just decided to stand and trade. And I think after the fight, Freddie Roach came out and said, you know, Aaron's still young. He's going to have to learn when to take this to the ground because he's a dynamic wrestler he's like i'm not concerned about his striking moving forward it's clear that he can knock people out but at what point he's still kind of in that from the maturity standpoint it kind of sounds like he's he's got he's he's got he's he's he's, he's got him yeah he's green and he needs to make that decision to just when he's rocked somebody take them to them to take them down and then finish the fight on the ground and have that flow from like to threaten the takedown Right. To force his opponent to be ready, like, and to be worried about it because you watch Habib or you watch DC and it's like, they don't want to get, the, the opponent doesn't want to get taken down. And right. they're always threatening that. I mean, that's how DC just easy moneyed Derek Lewis. Right. Just take down. And Derek Lewis is a big dude, scary mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Dude, just take down, take down, take down, take down, like if, clinic of takedowns, easy money. Mm-hmm. So if Aaron Pico can learn to, threaten the takedown, take him down, and then beat the hell out of him. Yeah. He's going to be just fine. He'll be back. He's, again, he's still in his early, early career when it comes to, you know, how many fights he's actually had in mixed martial arts. So probably we'll learn from that fight that he's got to take things to the ground and 
if he wants to stand and trade, it's where he's going to get himself in trouble. Because who's the other young name in Bellator that's up and coming? Um, um, is it Gallag- Gallagher? Yeah, that, I think is you're that right. the last name? Yeah, and he's coming off losses too. It's not, I want to say James, but that seems too easy. It does seem too easy, but I think you're right. But we've got some exciting stuff happening in Bellator. Is what I guess what me and Trevor are getting at is yeah, that, and I think that they released the uh, ratings. It was the highest ratings they'd had in over a year on that card. That tells you that people are watching, and it was headlined by a pretty big fight. You know, obviously the the heavyweight the, tournament, the, yeah, the heavyweight tournament Grand Prix. So I think they're only going to grow, and as guys, you know, decide to make choices, you know, with their careers too. We've talked about this before with, you know, the UFC can't be the one and only. No. Right? Like, that's... And, and and it's, you don't, like, you don't ever want that. Like, you right. want... You just talk about, like, the AFC versus the NFC. Or right. Or the East versus West Conferences. Or, the, uh, you know, American versus National League. Like, right. you want those as balanced as possible. Right. And no, we're not talking, like, but... Well, we're not talking about seeing a UFC versus Bellator champ anytime yeah. soon. But if they become balanced enough, then the argument will always be there. They can't avoid that. Right. And how insane would that be to like, and, and make them exhibitions. Like no one's really going to win a belt, but we're all going to know who won. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just to settle the debate, that would be, that would be pretty clean. Well, and, and I think of this right now and I don't think it'll ever happen, but like two guys that kind of stylistically are the same in Daniel Cormier and Ryan Bader how fun would that be to see, you know, champ, champ versus champ, champ. <laughs> like, yes, you know, they both, they both have a wrestling background. I'm not going to argue that Bader's a better wrestler, but anybody can catch anybody on any, any day. Yeah. We saw that with Cormier. I don't think a lot of people thought that Cormier could knock out Stipe. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and he, he took him right off his feet. Yeah, exactly. It was a great point. That's awesome. Um, well, we'd love to hear what you guys think about our UFC mma bellator analysis if you think we're wrong i want i want to hear it if you think yeah we're right but we missed something i want to hear it tell us where we're wrong i'm sure there's a couple spots where i like well right off the bat i can already tell you like lineker like i said lineker and it was actually jimmy rivera yeah but <laughs> if you take your time to let us know about a mistake we already corrected on on air then i don't we're not going to respond to that <laughs> but but Fair enough. We, that does bring a good question is how are we going to communicate with our fans, Trev? And I think, I think I've decided that you need to run a little social media. Yeah, I probably need to be better about that. Well, you know, I don't personally, like if you don't, it's not your thing. You don't have to do it personally, but I think it would be cool. Oh, we and definitely need one for this. the, we definitely need one for the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think if people are going to be talking in whatever, however sports discussions generally go, it would probably be best if Trevor's returning fire and not me. <laughs> so we're going to figure that out. I'll put that in the links to the episode description. We'll let you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll get sorted. Create a Facebook or a Twitter or Instagram account. Yeah. Maybe all three if we're yeah, really I, feeling froggy. Yeah, I, I've really been enjoying Twitter lately. It, I know. It, I see you tweet all the time. <laughs> and I, I, I have a Twitter account, and I sometimes get on there and read stuff. I need to be better about it. People but, are super funny on Twitter. Like if you well, can, yeah. It's, it seems like it's more of just like a... 
You just have to be clever with what you say. You right. can't, you don't get to like endlessly rant. Right. You know? So, or like an Instagram, you can do a minute long video. Like that's a long time. Right. For people's short attention. Span. Or you can write a novel on Facebook. Right. Or you can, yeah, exactly. And so but Twitter, you have to be kind of short and be sweet like, about it. You're either sharing a, a link or something right. or you're saying something very concise. Right. Right. Just funny to see the general collective rant and rave about things or come together and laugh about things as well. Totally. Whoa, what are we even talking about? <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. All right. <clears throat> Trevor, and we're going to set up a Twitter, blah, blah, blah. We'll set up a Twitter. All right. We took a little break. Uh, we're back. We're going to talk about some WSU Cougars. That's right. We're going to do a little two, 2018 recap. Heck of a season. A, incredible season. Incredible season. We... Trev, let's just run through these points you wrote about. Transition from the previous season to 2018, you've got Helinski versus Minshew, right? Well, yeah, just the transition of, I think the Coug Nation, after what happened, and obviously that is a really unfortunate circumstance, and I think Tyler will always be remembered, and what his family did afterwards and how they approached the situation, pretty incredible. Because I think what it did is it carried this sort of cougar pride into the following season that although something and someone so dear to the football program was taken away from us early there was still like hope right there's still his his sort of legacy is going to live on forever and and the way his family just approached the whole situation was pretty incredible and yeah and then you know to go from that scenario and, and going into the next season not really knowing what does our future hold for our quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, the quarterback position. Um, and this crazy mustached kid from Mississippi who'd been at, you know, four different schools uh, or whatever. I think three, I guess this is WSU was his fourth stop, I think, um, in his collegiate career. So basically he played college ball at a different School every, School year. every year. Yeah. And his graduate transfer um, had the opportunity to basically be like the third string walk-on quarterback at Alabama. So Nick Saban was willing him to, willing to give him an opportunity. And then I think what he was going to do there is basically become a graduate assistant. So he's going to start his coaching career at arguably the best college that you could start your coaching career and they've got a little bit of a QB back up there, don't they? Well, yeah. I mean, they obviously they had Ty, who was right. their starter, and then Jalen yep. Hurts, who eventually this year just transferred to Oklahoma. So. Is that where he's, he ended yeah. up with? That's awesome. So good for him. Because I want to say something about him, because losing his job in that in mid-game championship in the, game. In the national championship the year um, before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the way he handled it the way he continued to root for his team and, and it's yeah. about the team. It's not about one person. I liked that a lot. And it's then the incredible. next year he sits through not starting, right? Yeah. Dude, I mean, he's going to go start at Oklahoma, right? And Probably, then, yeah. And where do you see him going into the NFL if he makes it? I, it, I mean, the kid's got tools, right? Like, I think that the one thing he's going to have to, and he's, you know, he's probably a, top recruit i don't know too much about his background from like a you know was he a four or five star recruit we can probably look it up but yeah i imagine that you know he's kind of a dual threat guy 
his biggest probably issue, and I won't even call it that, or maybe it's more of a barrier is, you know, in the last year and a half, how much game time, game playing time is really had. Right. So yeah. that's sometimes the, yeah, you can go through the motions and practice, but it's totally different when you get out on the field. Yeah. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. So he's announced transferring to Oklahoma, final year of eligibility. And, um, and if people are frustrated that we've bounced from our topic of the Cougs, I just, I want to give a little bit of a episode one preface. Right. We spider, we spider web. We're a gonna bit. spider web, yes, and we're gonna do our best to, you know, put columns to these episodes. But at the end of the day, um, me and Trevor are just trying to find whatever is a, a solid sports discussion, and yeah. I think anything current is gonna be free game. So we'll get back. So to that, the so so <laughs> that get, to to get back to like the initial, you know, conversation of Gardner Minshew, um. You know, going from kind of the lowest of lows that I think Cougar football had seen outside of like a really bad season, just you know something was taken away from us. You, you know, they have back, you, you kind of you, you bounce way. back, and the response that you know, <laughs> and just the um, I think the personality that he brought to Cougar football just made it so exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout this entire season, going into Week One, we didn't know who the starting quarterback was going to be. It was literally decided upon, I think, after he got the start, you know, um, after week one slash two. And he just, he was solid, right? Like the kid, the kid came and he just delivered right away. One of the things, the USC game. Yeah. So was kind of the, like, we're talking about highs and lows. Yeah. That was, a, of, that was of, an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah. So that was, <clears throat> I, I bring that, bring that USC game up and I'll get to it kind of right now and a little bit on, later on when we, talk about the elephant in the room which is the apple cup but (laughs) um you know if if you guys watched that game it was there's a controversial call um that pac-12 officiating really screwed up and it basically came out that someone from like the pac-12's commissioner office who's not even like a wasn't even the commissioner is like someone underneath that called in to the booth and said that it wasn't targeting after Minshew had basically had his head taken off and that the Cougs were driving at that point the ball would have been placed on I think the like 13 yard line or something like that and it would have been first down in the closing minutes of that game and instead of having to attempt like a I don't know 40 yarder, 30, 30 some yarder that ends up getting blocked by USC, you know, hats off to them for doing that right? or executing on that. But I think the game just ends a completely different other way throughout this entire season. That's the loss. You, you know, like Cougar football has always been, Oh, there's three minutes left and we're in a close game. We're going to coog it. We're yeah. going to coog it. Coug we, it. <laughs> you know, like, and every game this year, when Gardner had the ball in his hands, I was like, we're going to go down and we're going to score and we're going to win the game. And it was exciting and it was classic football. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of football, no matter how much the Cougs get shaded, mm-hmm. dude, that was fun football. I mean, oh, it was it was, it was, it, was ex- it was super exciting. And then to see game day come to right. Pullman was like, 
Yeah. I mean, they didn't, you know, game college game day comes to Pullman for the um, Oregon Duck game, which I got the pleasure of going to um, and experience. And that was, that was unlike anything I'd ever seen, you know, from a production standpoint. Um, yeah, first, let's, first let's time. throw up your notes. You get 27 and 0 at half. The Ducks had a total of 50 yards from scrimmage in the first. Yeah. The third quarter is a different story. The Ducks, you know, they get a little hope, but then, okay, so they, so the they, Ducks yeah, come they, back. they, they rallied back and scored 20 unanswered. And at that point, I'm like, all right, mm, this is, this is a little suspect, but, you know, they spot us 27 points in the first half. It's like, if you can't finish that game, then, there are serious, serious yeah, problems. You can't have much hope for the rest of the season. And just like I said earlier, in the waning minutes of the game, the Cougs respond with a touchdown drive with about three minutes and 40 seconds left in the game. So yep. that solidified it. At that point, it's a 14-point game. Defense makes does Def- their job. Defense comes up big, and, and, and that's, that's the game. that's a little, like, the defense for the Cougs this whole year was great. Yeah. Which they is were flying around. Which, yeah, and and after we lost our defensive coordinator to Ohio State, okay. Grinch, so Grinch, yeah, Alex Grinch took the Ohio State, I think co co defensive coordinator job. It was his dream stop, dream job. He's originally from Ohio, so I can't, oh, play, yeah. I can't fault the guy from go for going back home and you know, yeah. No one had a problem when LeBron Earth, did it, so. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point, Corbin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that was, like I said, you know, getting the ball in Gardner's hands in the waning minutes of the game, there was just always this like different feeling about. It was excitement. It was like, like we're, we're, we're going to go win the, we're going to go, we're going to go win this game. He's probably going to throw the ball. And, and the coolest part about Minshew was um, when it came to the, like the technical like eight to ten to fifteen yarders, like dude was just dynamite. Oh, he dropped dime. It was it was a clinic. Yeah, of the fundamentals and it just, I don't. Know, it was just so fun because you're like, oh, there's an eight yard catch. Oh, there's another eight yard catch. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. twenty yarder. Oh my. Oh, now we're about to score. And it's like, yeah, that's how it went. It was just you just had fun. Well, and then they go down. You know, a couple games later, they go and drop 55 in the first half against right. Arizona the week before Apple Cup and yeah. it's like and okay is that is, like, that is yeah. is that is that a statement is that just like a we're coming for you this is it's this our, is it's our, our year, it's yeah. our year it's our turn that was exciting to see and i think that was a season high for Gardner if i'm not mistaken i think he threw like 400 yeah he threw for 473 yards and seven touchdowns in that game boom yeah, four, seven, three, and seven touchdowns. That's like, and at that point, he at that point, numbers. I'm pretty sure that he was like, I mean, he was already kind of in the Heisman running at that period of time. Yeah, but like that was like a big game to have at the right time. So who won the Heisman this year? What was that? Kyler Murray. Okay, Kyler Murray. Yeah, thank you. So first time actually. Um, well, I don't know about first time ever, but. Oklahoma's had back-to-back Heisman winners between Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Right, and I in talking about Baker Mayfield, I really hope he takes the Browns and turns them around. Oh, dude, it's a, it was exciting to watch him play this if, year. Yeah, if there's a franchise or a, a conference I'm rooting for in the NFL, it's the AFC. Yeah, because I hate the Patriots. Yeah, 
I don't hate them. I respect what they're doing, but they're it, they're it's getting old. It's getting super old. And Belichick, just like Brady, I, I love. Mean, he's literally getting old. He's literally old. <laughs> but but there's also something to say. Like we're gonna look back at this when we're like you know 50, 60 years old and be like, I watched the greatest. I know. I quarter, witnessed him. Quarterback yeah, quarterback. We're gonna be time. telling our grandkids, and they're gonna be like, How was he? When grandpa? when when like, is there ever gonna amazing. be? When is there ever gonna be someone to come along like? Tom Brady again like we've got great guys that we can talk about and maybe in the same conversation but he's just what he's accomplished is he's yeah he's different we're, we're gonna be calling the people we think are the next Tom Brady like he that's Tom Brady incarnate you right, know right and, and it's gonna come along maybe the next generation well and it's the same thing one. with Belichick I will when's the next time we're ever gonna see a Bill Belichick I think I think we might, depending on what happens in the Super Bowl, McVeigh might be the Dude, obvious candidate yeah. for that discussion for the the phenom, yeah, youngest coach, yeah. You know he does the thing where I saw the interview where they ask him about some play of some game in some point in his history, and he remembers every single one. Oh yeah, and it's just oh okay, that might be the next Belichick, right? You got to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody's well, different. Good, yeah. I mean, yeah, if he, if they find, if the Rams find a way to beat Belichick and Brady in the Super Bowl, then yeah, maybe the, maybe he does pass the baton off to Sean McVay and maybe McVay's the next guy. Yeah. What I do respect about Belichick is the same thing I respect about Marshawn Lynch is the ability to mess with the, the like collective attention. Right. You know? When everybody's asking the questions that the entire world wants to know, and the man with the answers is like, meh. Yeah. And just messes with them. Doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what I say. Yeah. Because you guys are going to screw it up anyways. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to, the narrative will be written by somebody else anyways. Right. So I, that's what I love about him. Yeah. Do I think he's a, like, like celebrate a touchdown guy? Yes, I think he should, you know? Right. But, also, you get what you get. I think he's also the type of guy that's like, act like you've been there before. You know? Ye- totally. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So, um, let's just skip the Apple Cup talk and then go straight to <laughs> <laughs> We can't do that, man. I'm just joking. I'm not hiding from any of that. I, I, was, I was also lucky enough to go to that game. It's the first time I've been to two games since in one season since I graduated from Washington State in 2009. So, big year. Big year, yeah, and it's almost like now I got guys talking to me about season tickets, and I'm like, ah, is like this, whoa, this, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, have I gotten to that point where I'm like old enough to do that, like go down to five games in a year, maybe more? I don't know, but that's, that's a you know, you you know you don't have kids, you'd be all right. Yeah, well, you say that now, and then in two years I will. Whoa, <laughs> premonitions. <laughs> Snowball 2.0, except there wasn't the same outcome. Obviously, it's the elephant in the room. The Apple Cup was disaster. It was a disaster. Um, and, I, you know, I, I can't really say much about that game except for I don't think that an air raid style offense is made for the snow. <laughs> I think yeah. that we can all agree upon that. I'm not making that the excuse for why we lost the game. Um, Gardner never played in the snow before. And I think that that probably had a little bit to do with it. And UW just was able to handle the elements a lot better. Got the rushing game going. 
we we'd stack the box. We we couldn't we couldn't control the sideline to sideline game. Sort of ended the way it did. And the, and the tough part about that whole thing was going back to the USC game. If the the right call happens and WSU scores and wins that USC game, and there's there's some ifs involved here. We go into that game undefeated, where it doesn't even matter. We could have lost the Apple Cup and still gone to the Pac-12 championship game. Right. But instead, we're not. We have this bad loss against a USC team that I, I don't even know if they got to a bowl game. Right. They were like five and seven or something like that. The only thing anybody cares about USC is that they're in California. Sorry. I might cut that. Might not. I don't know. <laughs> we the but I guess the point going back to what I was trying to make there is maybe that's what like has to happen for us to overcome this like rivalry because we've definitely been the redheaded stepchild when it comes even yeah you know when it comes yeah. to that rivalry they always have our number we can't figure out a way to beat them we every year we go in thinking that there's hope. In the years that we have beat them, it typically doesn't matter, you know? Yep. And um, so I think that, and this would have been, this could have been that year if, you know, some officiating in a previous game had, and, you know, we would have had to go and score. But yeah, it's. uh, You're right. Like every little thing can, can matter. And so. Totally. And then when chaos is involved, like I was talking earlier about officiating or regulating bodies like the NCAA, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Yeah. And, and, and if you're I'll the always Saints say going that, to the Super Bowl right. or not. Right. And that's, <laughs> and that's the thing that's always tough because I'm a firm believer too that you can't leave the game in the hands of the officials. But no. at the same time, when there's something so blatant and it doesn't get called, and it decides the game, right? Yep. Or the outcome of the game. You know, if, if that play happens in the first half, I'm not even talking about it right now. What we're talking about right. in the waning minutes of yeah. a game that's close. Guy gets his head taken off. Some scumbag calls into the, you know, yeah, actual skirts like, the a, procedure. yeah, skirts the procedure. And you guys can look up that Yahoo article that I'm talking about for reference but well what i think about those moments when we're all waiting for somebody who is the boss of the rules to like set it straight but if you don't set it straight in the some of these things that we saw it just leaves everybody confused moving forward so now moving forward there's this uncertainty of like what are the refs gonna do this year you know what's gonna you know and then and it's the NFL, the narrative of the catch rule and all that has been there for, are we going to the better part of a decade now where right. we like, how many prime receivers have to go through some thing to do with a call or a no call? Like Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, who's the guy who used to be the stud for the Cowboys? Oh, Des Bryant. Des Bryant. Like having all these guys recently in the last five years have some major freaking call. Oh yeah, that was called wrong or was whatever. Yeah, it's like, what do I have to do to? I I think well, that's we just none of us could get any closure on any of these scenarios. 
if you were just like, dude, it was the wrong call. It was this. Boom. This is how it's going to be right. moving forward. We could all like close the book, but like you, you have all this residual stuff in the world of like officiating. Mm-hmm. Let's get back on track. Sorry about that. No worries. So yeah, obviously the Apple Cup didn't go our way. We get, you know, we're thinking at that point in time, maybe we're going to get a New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah. Doesn't end up happening. And really, I mean, that loss in the with the Apple Cup, like that loss to the Huskies pushed us just far enough back because if we go into that game undefeated and we lose that game, we're likely probably ranked like fifth or sixth in the country because we haven't lost a game yet. Yeah. Still in kind of contention for the playoff, even though we're not a playoff team. No. But we probably don't fall outside the top 12, even losing to UW. Alma Bowl is still a good bowl. We get matched up with Iowa State. You know, Cougs came out, made it kind of a defensive struggle for for Iowa State um, right off the bat, and they had trouble getting going. You know, Iowa State on their first half possessions went interception, interception, punt, punt, and then right before the half, they were able to punch one in and and score a touchdown. Um, and the Cougs kind of struggled in the first half too, but not nearly as much. Um, they they put up 21 points. Gardner looked good. And I, there was definitely some swings in um, momentum. You know, I think in the first half, Iowa State lost their best, arguably their best defensive player to a targeting call. Yeah, they got hit with some. They got hit with some ejections and then also some injuries, right? Yeah, yeah. So and the eject, the first one was definitely warranted. That was certainly targeting by all means. They had to call that. Then with the second one, Iowa's kind of like, and eh, that's a little more bang bang. Yeah, you know, like yeah. The, the kid couldn't have done much. You know, he was already, it was more of like how, and I think the second one was, might have involved Gardner too, but I think it was how like Gardner had already gone to like the ground. So had the defender. I can't remember for sure, but. But that, that definitely, Iowa State is definitely set behind because yeah, of stuff like that. Totally. But they, they're, they've got a great head coach and he might get plucked away here by a, a bigger program, but. Oh, really? But I think he's a, I think he's a stud coach. You can tell that he's approaches the game with a pretty fiery attitude, and he's young, so he's an he's an exciting exciting coach to watch. So I think that that kind of probably fired him up during or during halftime, and you know, Iowa State comes out strong in the third quarter, scoring a touchdown and a field goal, and then there's kind of a turning point in the beginning of the fourth where Iowa State missed a what was it? Think about a 49 or 50 yard field goal. And I kind of questioned it a little bit because it was it the right decision. They'd held the Cougs um, to two punts in the second half, and it was fourth and five from the four, thirty-two yard line. So I look at that and I go, that could have completely changed. You know, that was a momentum changer. We got the ball back <laughs> right after that. They get you know Iowa State has another tough break where the Cougs end up picking up a fumble. Um, right. And then we capitalize with a TD and force a punt on the next possession. So, yeah, at that point, you know, we've kind of extended our lead. But Iowa State, they come out, they score a touchdown, and then they had to go for a two-point conversion. And there was a false start that caused them to have to attempt the two-point conversion, if I'm not mistaken, from the eight-yard line. And they just weren't able to punch it in and convert. And then that's where the Cougs just sort of took over, went on this slow and methodical drive, 
again, going back to Gardner Minshew, having the ball in his hands. And like, doing the basics. He's just kind of doing the basics. And it forced Iowa State to use all their timeouts and eventually Cougs win. Finish 11-2. and two. You, Biggest, yeah, best record in school history, um, or most, or I, I should say, uh, school record for wins. And you've got here, Minshew wins Johnny United's yeah, award. Yeah, given to the best QB in the nation, which was super exciting. I mean, he's obviously competing at, against Kyler, you know, guys like Kyler Murray and the, the, the most attractive QBs for the next right, year's NFL draft. Right. And if he probably, if he doesn't have the game he did against the Huskies, he probably is more in question for uh, Heisman. Gotcha. I think okay. he was still invited to the ceremony, but I, I think that game was kind of the the deciding factor. Get relaxed. Dude, this setup's actually very comfortable. It is. It's awesome. I, I like this. Okay. So, that so it, was was, incre- it was an incredible way to end the season. All right. All right. What, I got a question for you. What's the, big, what's the big narrative for next year? Well, obviously, you know, replacing... Gardner's going to be tough because he's, you know, he's. Who's in line? There's, they've got some kids in line, but what the news, the latest news uh, out this week is the quarterback from Eastern Washington University, Gage Gubrud, okay, is um, picking WSU uh, pending the NCAA grants his medical hardship. So the ruling here is that he's he's actually he's he's gone to school for four years, um, but he played only a third of the games this year um, and can claim a medical hardship because it doesn't get one more year. Yeah. It could potentially be a graduate transfer for WSU, which is exactly what so my, Gardner was. My question now that we're into a discussion about this is what, what is happening when it comes to eligibility for these kids and how many years are kids getting to actually play football? For college, well, <laughs> it's a it's kind of an interesting question because I think that it changes based on a lot of situations. Gosh, I remember, like in college, there was a football player. I won't name names because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But there was someone at Washington State who, I think he like claimed a couple medical hardships and like was on like a seventh year of like some sort of eligibility. It was crazy. I don't know, like. So you claim a medical hardship, you get one more year. Yeah, and it has to do with how many games you play. So like this specifically, so here's what's interesting about the Gage Gubrud story is you only played one third of the games. Well, Eastern happened to play 15 games this year because they went all the way to the national championship. Mm -hmm. Gubrud only played five games. So it only it kind of had to do with the fact that Eastern went as far as they did because if they'd only ah, played fourteen yeah. games, then he his eligibility wouldn't buy. Wouldn't and be. and part of this was is this this kid got injured, was trying to fight through the injury, elected for surgery because of his potential to go into the draft, like getting looks from scout NFL scouts, and that was that was sort of his plan, and now it's sort of it kind of sounds like it's changed a little bit because I think he. Wants, I think he th- thinks and knows he can go the Gardner Minshew route here, go lead the nation in passing, potentially be that next WSU star quarterback. Um, and stays Leach, in Eastern uh, he stays in Eastern Washington. He's a he's a he's a Northwest kid. He's from McMinnville, Oregon. 
Okay. So mom and dad aren't going to have to travel too far nope. to, to see him play. WSU's on the map from D- incredible WS- season. Yeah, WSU's on the map. Some interesting stats about this kid is in 2016, he was actually selected as the FCS Player of the Year. Did he play with Cooper Cup? He did. He did. And Cooper Cup, it, it's horrible that his season hit an end this year right. with injury, but he was tearing it up. And he's going to get his ring. Yeah, he'll get his ring. Because I hope they win. Well, I hope so, too. I'm, I'm, you know, let's go Rams. But anyways, I just wanted to ask that real quick. That's awesome. So they've yeah, torn so, it up together. So, yeah, so they've torn it up together. Actually, Gubrud's Eagle teammate. So him and Cooper Cup, or Cooper Cup and Gubrud, finished second and third in the voting for, I believe, the Walter Payton Award which is given to the best player at the FCS level. Okay. And FCS level is? So D- Division One AA. Okay. So Eastern Washington, so like big sky schools, Eastern Washington, Montana, Montana State, now Idaho on the East Coast, a couple like Maine, Villanova, mm-hmm. James Madison, some a strong program out of Texas, Sam Houston State. Oh, but I, I wanted to I wanted to point out a little bit more about Gubrud real quick because I'm a little excited about this his potential. Let's do this. Alrighty, Gage Gerbrud, hit me, Trev. Yeah. So what I see exciting about this potential transfer is, I mean, the kid, the kid can can toss the ball around. I think he'd fit into our system really well. In 2016, he passed for an FCS record 5,160 yards Dude, in the 2016 season, breaking the record of 5,076 yards by Taylor Heineke of Old Dominion in 2012. He had 11 games with at least 300 yards passing and 12 with at least 300 yards of total offense which led the FCS. So he's got a little bit of legs to him. A little bit, yeah. Goodrude's total of 5,766 yards of total offense were just 33 yards from total offense mark of 5,799 yards set by Mr. Steve Ermick. So the the, the kid, in 2016, the kid was electric that same year Cup was part of that whole offense. Between 2016 and 2017, he was a Walter Payton finalist. Finished third in the voting in 2016, and then was a finalist again in 2017. And in 2016, and, and in 2016, yeah, and in 2016, he was the FCS Player of the Year. Who was given that award? Dude, way to go, WSU! Yeah, I think this it's. I, I think it's. I think it's pretty exciting stuff. Now, I'm not. You know, saying that Gage would go and win that job right away. I would certainly hope that if he's going to make that transfer, he knows that he's the yeah, is the potential starter. I don't think I don't think all that stuff happens unless that's pretty much what's going on. And and the other and the other guys that they have waiting in the wings are still kind of young. And what do we know about Leach? Mike Leach loves QB competition. I mean, that's why he rosters seven or eight of them every year. And you know, if we can reap the benefits of a kid who you know, had a, a little bit of a medical hardship, but can come and lead our team to another winning season. You know, another 10, highlight 10, season. 10, 11 
win season and yeah it's we're pretty all, exciting it is exciting and to keep that eastern washington you know that that connection going it's gonna be cool yeah absolutely awesome let's call that good for the kooks we're gonna move on to the hawks that sounds good all right let me we're gonna recap the 2018 season the hawks lost the wild card game to the cowboys at dallas which the Cowboys went on to lose to the Rams, who then won the controversial win against the Saints, who were crushing it all year long. Basically, I want to kick it off with free agency because Trev has got some has got some players that he's got listed out. So let's list them out for me, Trev. Who we got? Yeah. So heading into the off season, we're looking at a lot of guys that are definitely been role players. Obviously, the big one that we're likely not going to retain, and pains me to say this because I think he's my favorite Seahawk player of all time, is Earl Thomas. Um, okay. Yeah. We got to get we got to get a, another Earl Thomas fan on the podcast. I, we, I yeah, know one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be tough to see Earl walk. I, I would be absolutely astonished if they figured out a way to keep him in Seattle. There's just too much. There's too many interested parties out there obviously we know about like the connection to texas and maybe going back home to play for the cowboys i think recently i saw something this week where the niners are after him which i'm not too surprised with knowing that sherman's there knowing that john lynch the gm is a former safety you know like i think that there's there's some potential interest there and i wouldn't be surprised huge move for thomas to keep stay on the west coast yeah exactly texas guy so he yeah he's on this side of the country and there's a connect there's a connection with sherm already oh man um yeah and you don't you don't pass that up yeah there's an opportunity to connect again like that you don't you don't it's just uh all right, so you got KJ Wright. That's a big one. Yeah, I hate seeing that that's, name on there. It's that's probably the one I think out of all of them that I'm probably most like worried about because him and Bobby have just played lockdown. They've just been locked down together for so long, and not see him standing next to Bobby Wagner, you know, in in the linebacking core would just be absolutely devastating. But when who did we lose to the Raiders from middle linebacker? Oh, no, I think you're thinking of Bruce Irvin. Well, he's kind of an edge guy, right? Oh, I thought we lost. Oh, I remember. Sorry, never mind. Oh, you're thinking of Malcolm Smith. Yes, Malcolm yeah, Smith. Yeah, so that was that was tough because Malcolm was a big part of that Super Bowl run. Yeah. Um, But but this is what it, it reminds me of is like you're not going to lose Bobby. Right. Bobby is kind of like, I mean, drafted with Russell. Right. You know, they're the new. Yeah, I mean, he's Bobby. Bobby and, and Russell are the next two guys to get big contracts. But they're locked up until, well, no, that they're, if they're both technically, I think, free agents. Uh, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Okay. I don't know if there's a restriction, like if dude, I Russell's say I RFA. Because can you franchise tag one person on both offense and defense, or how many franchise tags can you hand out if you're a franchise? That's a great question. I should know that. So let's just say you only get one per. They're gonna tag Frank Clark. Okay. That's At that's my end. that's my yeah that's my guess because he's gonna command if they don't so basically the way I understand it is if they tag him you know they basically have to pay him seventeen mil and if they didn't tag him then like I mean they just they're gonna tag him if if there's anyone on there that they tag it's gonna be him because he's I mean the guy has been electric for us this year 
and he's he's definitely proven that he's you know the next real deal for the Seahawks at defensive end. And we've we drafted him. When did we draft him? Twenty seventeen. So he was. Yeah, twenty sixteen sounds maybe right. He um. He was one of those problem draft picks, where like he had some baggage, and they took the chance. And he's paid off, and he's and he's turned around. He's a true pro. Yeah. Oh, 2015, second round pick. Fell fell this fell this second round. Michigan University, of Michigan kid had some baggage though. I remember that. So we're gonna tag Clark. We're probably. Tag Clark. I would imagine we probably tag Clark. Janikowski is gone. Yeah, they'll go find a kicker. Um, I'd be surprised if they paid a guy that old. Well, what did he do? He got he a, missed. He got he a missed like cramp yeah. the, in the playoff <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, that's yeah. what he did. And you know what? And basically, we couldn't kick the onside kick. According, well, we didn't have a kicker in the playoffs because Ganikowski got a hammy. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's an old man. Well, and I, I fault, dude, why, I get it, like, giving vets a shot, but, like, Janikowski's, he doesn't need to kick anymore, dude. No. The Polish prince needs to hang hang him up. He was in games when you and me were in middle school. Yeah, in fact, I think I remember when he was, uh, they went to Florida State, right? Yeah, I think he's a Florida State guy. Then the Raiders draft him in the first round. When does a kicker get drafted in the first round? That's a flick like, only time, there like the ever. entire time yeah. until he came to us. Yeah, for his whole career. Like this isn't Jerry Rice, guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, all right. You've got Coleman, Justin Coleman. I think that they need to lock that guy up. Is that our nickel corner. He's our nickel corner. Yeah, he's played the position pretty darn well. And it's hard to go out and find guys like that. And a lot of it has to do with just like, in my opinion, team camaraderie, you know, system, you know, what the Seahawks was calling OKG, our kind of guy. I just, I think that he belongs. Man, in a perfect world, if we, well, let's just, I'm going to list all these guys off. Earl Thomas, KJ Wright, Justin Coleman, Shamar Steven, Sebastian Janikowski, Dion Jordan, who was a very good role player in my opinion um, at times. Didn't have a huge season, but he's a nice plug-and-play guy that came up with some big plays. J.R. Sweezy, we brought him back, and he knows our system well. He's kind of dealt with some injuries in the last few years with his career. but And then DJ Fluker, I mean, that's a guy that we brought in from New York, and I think he fits the run the run blocking scheme that we run um, real well. Mike Davis, dude, I'm a big Mike Davis fan. Yeah. Like I, I love Chris Carson. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm hopeful and like, like the bright future that Rashad Penny brings to the table, but Mike Davis can really do it all. And I think people forget that had Mike Davis not blown his knee out in college, he would have been a first round draft pick. And a, maybe even a potential Heisman like candidate that year. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where like Frank Clark will go and uh, probably tag him, probably franchise tag him. Um, Maurice Alexander. I know we brought him in for kind of like special teams and like 
depth at the safety position. I don't know. I think this is probably a year where we we could address the safety position in free agency, but we don't have a lot of cap space. So it's and is what's the draft looking like? Um, there's a the draft is defense heavy in like the first two rounds. Like okay. there's a lot of defensive talent. Um, but we're looking at a, a, a good second round pick, if anything. Yeah, and I'd love to see what Michael Kendricks could do for an entire season. If he hadn't got all wrapped up in that insider trading stuff, and that's all. Yeah, good. yeah, that's unfortunate. So, if in a perfect world, if we could keep KJ Wright, Justin Coleman, Fluker, obviously Tag Clark, everyone else, in my opinion, is probably like well, serviceable. Okay. I'd love to see us keep Sweezy, but I could totally understand if we move in a different direction or have a young guy that's going to fill in there. And then, you know, do we address some, we'll address probably some of this in free agency, but again, we don't have a lot to spend. So I think I saw something recently where like Landon Collins, who is a stud safety would be an awesome, awesome, um, guy to combo Bradley McDougal because I think Bradley McDougal can be that guy like I'm not concerned about him he came right. up big in a lot of plays this yep. year he's proven that he can play that position and he's smart enough to know he's never going to be have Earl Thomas's speed but he's going to be able to make up for it in other ways right right yeah he's, he's and so it, an if, I, if, if they had a, if we had a tandem of like McDougal and Collins I would feel very comfortable knowing that we have Shaq Griffin on what at you know one corner position, and they're still high on a lot of these other younger guys like Tedrick Thompson. And well, and let's be honest, you got the best secondary that the world has ever seen. Yeah, you don't get it again. It doesn't usually happen that way. No, no. and so you need to. Be, the fact that they've been able to put the defense out there that they did this year and get to I the think playoffs, they've been incredible. Yeah, they were the defense played incredible this year. Yeah, the second considering considering the entire like the remodel the remodel of the defense like the 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 gutting you you gutted everything and the way that these guys played this year and how far they went I mean I am just as excited to be a Seahawks fan as I was in 2014. Yeah, well, and then like next year too, like. How are they going to address that? I mean, th- this year they have so many guys like up there that are like role players that definitely matter, right? They were reasons why we won ball games, right? And yep. next next year we definitely have like, you know, there's not as many, but there's the, th- the three up there that, you know, I, I put up there are, are huge assets to the team between Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, and Jaron Reed. And Jared Reed is a really interesting one because the guy, it took him a few seasons to get to like where he was at. I mean, we drafted him high because we knew of the potential and he, you know, he's just a stud out of Alabama. But the guy had, as a defensive tackle, I think had 10 and a half sacks this year. Dude. And if he has another year like that, he's going to probably command highest D tackle money in the league, which is probably anywhere from 12 to, thir- 12 to 14 million a year, probably. Well done. So, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> but then there's a guy like Russell Wilson who's going to command probably like 
anywhere from 30 to 35 million. Okay. So, so for the casual fan, what's a what's the cap total? Um, I think it increased. Is it above like 180 or something right now? 180 mil. Something like that. It's uh I know that they only have like 60 to work with this off season. So okay. we're going to be so you've got you're going to wrap up you're going to you're going to get wrapped up in if you use that on like a guy like Landon Collins then you can pretty much guarantee unless he's only will, if he's willing to come on like a two-year deal then you know you might be able to that you're still going to dedicate a third of that right okay right maybe not a third but like a strong portion of it so they're going to have to be careful this year and they're going to make some there's going to be some tough decisions and then how are they going to address that in the draft you know there's with this draft being defensive heavy they're probably they're probably going to look at that and say okay this is where we're going to continue to build our on our young defense and would not be surprised knowing that they're going to have to tag Frank Clark they're probably going to go D-line again they always seem to love to go D-line and it's, it's not a bad move no. Um and if they can if they can you know tag Clark and then work out an extension with him and Jaron Reed the following year and then they have like a young end on the other side that they do well with do well with in the draft or another D tackle. I mean they'll have they've got guys that can be the role players to fill in too. So it's Okay, so we don't we're not going to dive too much into the Hawks draft. I think we'll we'll revisit that come April because isn't that draft time? Um, I think they've pushed it into May now, but yeah, that. that so we'll do an episode in April. Yeah, we'll 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 d- we'll we'll dig in and yeah, see what what's look. And at that point too, we'll have a better idea because some of these free agents will have been resigned. Some mm-hmm. then there'll be free agents that we, maybe we didn't expect to see come to Seattle that did. Maybe there's a trade. That would the be nice. trade. That would be awesome. I'd I, like to I see saw, some moves. I saw something that was so devastating because I think he's still under a contract for two more years, but he would count against like eight million one year and then like nine million the next. But there was this vicious rumor that maybe they'll trade Doug Baldwin, knowing that he's thirty one and Whoa. That would be a huge move. Who's the number three behind Lockett? Uh, David Moore. David Moore. He's ter- he tore it up, dude. He can he can be good. I think that they're still gonna like they're still gonna need to address the wide receiver position. I well, think one with Doug. Honest, Doug the Hawks Gideon have will, never respected the wide receiver position. Right. To they've give it, they've like, found guys that are their kind of guys. Yeah, and then they pay them. They'll pay them. Yeah, but. They don't, or like they'll go and they'll be like, okay, well, we'll bring Brandon Marshall into camp. It's a big name, or he's yeah. had like a storied yeah. career, kind of. Yep. They so, did that. Or like a productive Harvin. career. They did it with Percy Harvin. So, like, you know, maybe a guy like that, you know, oh, we'll just go bring Jordy Nelson in for a season and see what happens. You know, like something uh, like that. Yeah, don't get me, dude, Jordy Nelson and the Hawks. <laughs> You kidding me? It'd be like when Jerry Rice came out of retirement, right? Yes. <laughs> and played yes. for the Hawks for like one season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, dude, it's funny. My high school coach for football, he, he went to a game. He got a picture with Jerry Rice. He got a picture with a nice. bunch of players, Marcus Dufont. He's like, oh, yeah, that's Jerry Rice. <laughs> there you go. Do I have any? Are you asking if I have anything left to cover here with Seahawks? Yeah. Though? What 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 <laughs> else we got for the Hawks? Any closing moments? And in in okay, I'll I know what I'll do. So, for the audience, what do you think? In response, please respond to our thoughts and our points. We we, the point of this podcast is to make a discussion, create a new network of sports fans, ideas. Yes. Distributing ideas. We're open to talking about all of it, by the way. We won't just be talking about Seahawks football, Cougar football. No, we, we, that's a great question. What do you want us to talk about? We will learn, and, and we have goals for ourselves for this podcast. I would like to learn about the NHL. Seattle is expanding, so that's yeah. one of the things we want to build on. Absolutely. But, we, but what do you guys want to hear? What do you want us to explore and talk about? We'll do it. Just give us a topic. Just for now, you can use Instagram. Amalgam podcast for now, yeah. But, but we'll make a new one. Yeah, we'll we'll get that up and running. Drive to to deal with and uh, just kind of break off the true true segment. I had a couple of like a couple of funky ideas to close out episodes. Yeah, big predictions. Me and Trevor have a bet. We have a we have a parlay going that Kevin Durant will go to the Lakers, and LeBron yeah. will retire from the Lakers. Ooh. And now, I'm not looking too hot, but <laughs> at the time when we made this bet, I just want everybody to know Draymond Green was running his mouth pretty pretty heavy, and so it it made you think that Kevin was gonna try yeah, to yeah, trying to find a wrote place. an article, and I, that's what kicked it off. But I just I I I still think that LeBron's gonna retire as a Laker. I don't think I'm gonna lose the bet because of how many parlays that are going yeah. into it. But it's it's tough to. It's tough to tell because I mean that there's such a show around Los Angeles, you know, like, and not that there wasn't when he like went to Miami, right? But there's there's just this sort of like I could totally see him getting like just kind of fed up with the show that is like show, you know, like I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, who knows, like. Maybe he decides he he very well could end his career there, and maybe they bring in stars around him, and it becomes the Lakers of the old, you know, the old days with you know, super yep. other superstars around him. But I like I just don't know that that's gonna unless you get KD or you get like a Steph Curry to leave Golden State or hey Clay Thompson is probably. I should a more took, likely that would be better. He he's a, he's probably a more likely candidate to go to L.A. Just knowing that his father used to play there, dude. And he's I think he's coming up on a free agent year, right? Yep. Yeah. I really hope he doesn't because you know being a coog, like naturally I've kind of yep flocked towards like the Golden State like resurgence. Research. Yeah, I, I, it's been exciting to watch them as a team. Um. Well, and ever since my Sonics better. were taken away from me, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, like, and that's part of the reason I'm a KD fan too. It's because, yep. you know, he always reps Seattle hard. And I think if Seattle ever brings an NBA team back, which they probably will, you know, 
if Durant's still playing, he'd probably, you know, he'd probably hang it up there. But that's that's not any time in the next few years. So no. But he might be. I could totally see him being part of ownership eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a bold prediction. It's I, a, that's a bold I, prediction. I I, I just I just I just gambling bets on display for this podcast yeah. as well. Speaking of which, we started this podcast off with the uh, little bit of a UFC talk. So right now, the only fantasy league we're in together is a UFC fantasy league. That's I'm not, correct. I'm not doing football because I have two kids and I don't have time. <laughs> but I love football. It's frustrating, by the way. Yeah, that's this why is the I most fr- this is this is my the most frustrating year I've ever had in fantasy football. I put up the, the like second or third highest points in the league. Yeah, and I was like eight and five and didn't even make the playoffs. You're like the third person to tell me that that you scored the most points all year and you still didn't I didn't score the anything. most but like you well, would think for a guy that puts up it was basically just like the weeks where I'd have monster weeks no one would sh- the team that I played would not show up would tear and then the, the weeks where I put up a good week oh I just got you know annihilated or or just or barely like beaten. barely beaten so that's why I quit fantasy football in 2018 i might do it this year because i'm starting a sports podcast and right. i think i have a right to not do it but i didn't do it this year because my punk ass cousin jackson never changes the lineup the entire year <laughs> i needed to win one game to make the playoffs in my family league the ill nasty and i lost by like it was some atrocious 70 to 70 ish He'd had four people on a bye. He and, yeah. and I, I just isn't that I frustrating. Thought, well, I was just like, what am I even doing here? Yeah. You Why know? am I trying? Why am I trying? And so <laughs> I took a year off. I got a young, young kid and and another young kid, and so I just needed some time. But we're back, and it's gonna be fun. So bold predictions. My brother-in-law is starting an NHL fantasy league, which is coinciding with our goal to learn more about hockey as Seattle expands the NHL with yeah. the 32nd team and curveballs. This is a new segment called Corbs, Curbs, Curveballs. <laughs> Curbins, Curveballs. Curbins, Curveballs. You dub Trev, tell me what they did this year and tell me what's happening next year. He hasn't done any research. He didn't write I didn't any do notes. any research on this. That's why it's I, called a Curb and Curveball. I can't really say much other than you know what I already said they beat us in the apple they cup they beat us in the apple cup they went to the rose bowl and who's playing QB at UW next year that's a great question cuz i'm pretty sure um browning yeah i think Jake browning's a senior so he's gone i think he's gone i'm not sure who they have waiting in the wings i do have a Few people I could probably go and ask that. Yeah, you know who would be a great guest for the UW like proponent hmm. would be my dad. Oh yeah, 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 he would he would know. And you know what? That's what we're gonna do. You know, I do know. I did see earlier though a little bit about UW. Looks like their basketball team is doing all right this How year. They only, it up? Well, they've, look, I I think I saw they've only lost like four games or like sixteen and four. Okay, let's look it up. And we're going into February, so. You yeah. know, yeah, we're we're seventeen and four. They just yeah, four. there we go. They just beat the USC Trojans. 
Yeah. Yeah, Huskies looking good in basketball. I think they're at the top of the Pac-12 right now, aren't they? Standings. Standings. They've got to be up there. Yep. yep. Eight known well conference ahead. play. Well wow. ahead. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else is just squandering at this point. Everyone oh, look at Washington five. State, one and seven. <laughs> Love it. These are not last uh, place. Oh, man, Cal. dude. I, oh, can't, I can't believe that. One and seven in conference play, 13. Nice. Yeah. Lost we were, four in we a were, row. We, <laughs> you know, we were a basketball school when you and I were there. That's, well, that's those the, the funny those, thing. Those were the we days. We used to win an apple cup or two, and the Cougs were going to the dance. But that, when we were there, though, that was arguably the one, the worst Cougar football team we've ever had. But we had the one of the best. Like at one point, Washington State was ranked fifth in the nation, I think. In that was like when Derek Lowe, Kyle Weaver, David Harmon, David David Harmeling, Robbie Calgill. No, you're right. No, we were killing it at that. Ivory Clark. Baines was in there. Yeah, and then you had some of those younger kids like Taylor Rochester. Yep. The younger side of that was Clay Thompson. Yep. So there were some years where we were pretty, we, we would. Formidable basketball. Well, those the years that we beat, we would beat Gonzaga too. Yes, that was the coolest part. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Anyways, they're terrible now, so we probably won't back, talk about yeah, them back this to, year. Back to the point of what do I know about UW. I don't pay a lot of attention, but I did just pull that basketball knowledge. Yeah, you got... Yeah. Their their football program, I mean, is still going to be a top program next year, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, how many Pac-12 championships in a row do they have now? Mm. Two or three? Did they win it last year? Damn it, mm. gotta look this up again. Conference championships, 2018, 2016... Okay, Chris Peterson. Well, let's just say the dogs have won. Yeah, two the, out of the last three. Go if you can find preseason college rankings, college football rankings. I think that we're ranked tenth, and I would imagine they're not very far behind us, if at all. Yep, nine. Oh, this is this is showing us as thirteen. Preseason. Oh. That's to end the season. Preseason football college rankings. Preseason college. They have some, something shows them something shows them at ten right now on a different site. Fourteen for Washington. Fourteen for Washington. Twelve for Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, well let's I'll believe that when I see it. Sorry, Duck fans. Yeah. Gotta watch Arizona Cal. Oh, Stanford. But UW uh they'll this be is, just fine. This is, yeah, they'll be just fine. It'll be this is a learning experience. Now I have to know my UW stuff. Yeah, I mean it's the curveball, so it'll curve probably ball, change yeah. most episodes, but it you'll know. Yeah. I'll I'll put see how I put UW down there. Mm-hmm. I'll put something there. So you you have because I don't want you to be like, I don't know anything about that. Well, but you know, these are situations where I probably should. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We'll challenge you. Maybe it'll be a, we'll, we'll do a quick snippet on the following, the following podcast every time you throw a curveball. And then I come back and I say, well, this is what I can tell you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start. Interesting the next. facts that maybe nobody knows. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, this has been in my opinion, a smashing success. It was fun. 
I'm excited that we're doing it. I'm really excited to see the entire year kind of pan out and where we where we get this year and beyond with it because this is something that I've always kind of wanted to do and thought about doing and then I was like oh I don't really know how to start it and I obviously am blessed to have a very good friend who kind of already started started doing podcasting and now it's just a matter of like piggybacking on some of your success with it so I appreciate you you know reaching out to me coming up with this idea talking about it and uh, what I I'm just excited to be able to do this because I think that talking about sports and the entertainment industry is one of the funnest things to speculate on. A little history on how this came to be is I had been thinking for a while, like, ah, dude, Trev, we just have fun. We watch fights together. You know, yeah. we get people come over here and we, we do sporting events together. And, and my witness to some of these discussions, you guys that know so much about these things, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. And it's yeah. fun to listen to. And so I I hit Trev up and I asked him, you know, do you have any interest in this? And he goes, dude, we must have been talking telepathically because <laughs> I, I just, I, I wanted to ask, but I didn't know what questions to ask really right. or have where to start. And so it's, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun because you are in a, a very just sports fiend, like I've told everybody. And it's, you talk about it in a way that anybody can listen and anybody can understand. So I'm just glad you're, you're Thank on you. board with this. Buddy. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it and I'm, I'm excited to, you know, have other people on the show and yes, talk, yeah. talk amongst, you know. Yeah. Making an inclusive thing. This yeah. isn't just so me and Trevor can sit around and listen to each other talk. We want to, exactly. we genuinely, we genuinely want to create a discussion where people are involved and everybody everybody gets to chime in a little bit so yeah we'll get on our our social networking so that we can have an right. medium for that but anyways this has been great episode one in the books trev episode one in the books man cheers anything you want to say as we close out excited for uh the future of the show and hit us back with you know anything you guys want to hear about topics Absolutely. talk about we'd love to chime in hear what you're thinking it's gonna be fun moving forward we're excited and hope you guys uh, enjoyed listening tonight thank you guys everybody take care cheers cheers